Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with you, along with Judd Zolgad. Judd, how are you? I am fantastic. Well, the national media was descendant upon Minnesota today with big news that Teddy Bridgewater was activated. But I do not want to start by talking about Teddy Bridgewater, Judd, because uh, we knew that Teddy was going to be activated on this day for quite some time. I think the thing that comes as a little bit of a surprise is that Sam Bradford is on injured reserve. And unless he comes back in the playoffs... He is now out for the season. Your reaction to that news, Judd? Uh, my reaction to the news is zero surprise because you figured once he showed up with a sore knee uh, the day after the Saints game, and then once Zim got sort of miffed after the week two, correct, loss at Pittsburgh, and uh, uh, somebody asked Zim about the timetable on Sam Bradford, and he brought up, he just sort of fleetingly brought up eight weeks, and we all said, you know when Zim really tells the truth? When he's mad after a game. And so uh, so this whole thing, the, the way it's played out, it's unfortunate. Uh, if you had painted this picture for me before the season started, I would have said the Vikings were going to be in big trouble. Uh, but given how we have sort of seen it play out uh, in slow motion like a car wreck, I'm not surprised. And uh, I fully expect that uh, Sam Bradford has taken his last snap as a member of the Minnesota Vikings and that he will be signed by somebody I don't know if he'll come back and be successful in 2018, but he will be given a chance by somebody at quarterback. It won't be here. Yeah, there will be plenty of opportunity, as we know from what we've seen this year. Quarterbacks will always get hurt 100% of the time. So if he pulled yep. some sort of Jay Cutler, I don't think anybody's putting him in the booth as a broadcaster from what I've seen. But if he <laughs> if he went into non-retirement retirement or something and just wasn't going to play or held out, not like held out contract-wise, but just didn't sign in the offseason, somebody's quarterback would get hurt and they'd be very desperate and they would overpay Sam Bradford to come back and, and try and play. And, it, you know, Mike Zimmer said again today, it's not bone on bone and they're trying to clean things up and on and on. It's been the same sort of refrain for weeks and weeks. Oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Well, it, it turned out to be really bad. And 
I, you know, I, when he had that initial injury and was on the injury report on like a Wednesday and Thursday, it really didn't strike me that this could be a season ending injury because he had practiced that week after uh, uh, New Orleans and, and you just figured, well, it was a, I think that was a Monday night game. So, okay, maybe he's just getting a little extra rest. And then you know, Case Keenum had to start against Pittsburgh. And then as it went on and on, it just became more and more obvious. And uh, we've gotten tweets and emails about, well, why aren't you guys talking about Sam Bradford as part of the future conversation here with Bridgewater and Keenum and so on? It's because the longer it went on, Judd, the more it felt like this is, this is just not going to happen, especially after what we saw in Chicago. When we, yeah, when we saw, I, I didn't think he was probably done until the Bears game. He looked like a guy who couldn't move. And so once you saw the Bears game, you said, okay, this is really bad. And the other thing, I, I, I tweeted this out, and I've said this a thousand times, and I get pushback of, well, it's not your knee, you don't know. This is a degenerative knee condition, right? You knew, and Zimmer kept saying it's non-surgical, which means they kept saying, which means they went to Mike and kept telling Mike, we hope to do this and that. I mean, as a sports fan and as a guy that, that's covered football for a long time, I could have told you a month and, and a half ago, the only way to get this right for now, because it's not, it's not going to be right for the long term, but the only way to get this right for now was a cleanup. And so the one thing that surprised me is the team didn't tell him, Sam, listen, we're paying you a lot. If we want you back, you need to, to have this cleaned up. And the fact that he wasn't on an operating table after that Bears game really surprised me because when you watched him limping around, and, and it's not like – I think people are confused. They didn't go in and reconstruct the man's knee again. They went in arthroscopic, arthroscopically, which means they put some holes in the knee, right? And they cleaned up the damage. But that's done all the time. It's not surprising and I am really surprised that after that Bears game, someone didn't sit Sam down and say, Sam, we're done with the blood regeneration. We're done with this. We're done with that. If there's any chance that you are going to play again in 2017, we are going to need to go in arthroscopically and clean your knee up. They finally did that, but by now it's too late. Yep, and now we're looking at the potential of him not playing again. Jay Glazer kind of floated that at some point, and – uh, maybe there would be a chance. There's only a very, very small, tiny chance that he would be back in Minnesota next year. And that would be if Teddy Bridgewater does not work out at all when he comes back. Case Keenum is your backup quarterback. You wouldn't be bringing him back to start. And then none of the other options work out. If Kirk Cousins maybe stayed with Washington or Drew Brees stayed with New Orleans, which I, I still would bet on, or, or whatever, right. whatever number of options, right. then you might say, all right, Sam, well, if your knee's healed and we still have Keenum and we feel like he can be our backup and win if we need, then you get a one-year deal for $5 bucks, and that's it, with lots of incentives or something don't like you that. Think now, don't, don't you think now, and I, I realize this doesn't track exactly, so, so Bradford was with the Eagles last year, or two years back now. They signed him in March of what would have been 2016 to a two-year extension. Um, so this doesn't track perfectly, but Collar, don't you think now that part of the reason why the Eagles traded with Cleveland to get the uh, second overall pick a month after signing Bradford and took Carson Wentz now was generated by, by their own concern? Because it seems to me to be when, when you've got Bradford and you're saying, okay, he's a pretty good quarterback. 
Uh, but the incentive to me to go out and make a major trade with Cleveland to get up to not, you know, not the 10th pick, the second pick would have been driven by the fact that somewhere somebody had come to me and said, hey, listen, Bradford's knee is going to be a problem eventually. So I just wonder now if the Eagles knew a little bit about what was coming. And, of course, a year ago when Teddy goes down, if you're the Vikings, that's a gamble that you're probably willing to take at the time because Bradford looked healthy. He could still play. And, I mean, if you go if you go through the list of potential quarterbacks on the market the day after Teddy went down, it is Christian Ponder, Mike Glennon, who would have been really expensive, Mark Sanchez. It's terrible. So – I just I wonder if the Eagles had an inkling that uh, that Bradford's knee was not in great shape, and the Vikings said, "Okay, that might be the case." But given our circumstances at that time, they didn't care. Well, that's definitely possible because otherwise, it looks a little peculiar. Uh, Sam Bradford had had a very good year the year before, especially in the second half of the season, and not a Drew Brees or Tom Brady year, but a good year. And Mm -hmm. he made the Eagles pretty competitive with an offense that traded away LaShawn McCoy and Deshaun Jackson, which I will never, ever, ever understand. Chip Kelly, baby. Chip Kelly. Mind-numbingly stupid moves from Chip Kelly that (laughs) destroyed his own career, really. Um, Yes. But, I mean, if Sam Bradford has those two guys, I think things are probably different. They probably make the playoffs. And his second half of the season was really good. I remember we talked quite a bit about that that he had looked healthy again, and he looked confident finally in the leg. And so you would think that they would have been happy to have had him as the starting quarterback and have Carson Wentz sit for a year when Philadelphia has a pretty good team, a pretty good roster built up there. So maybe it does, I guess in hindsight, strike you as a little bit surprising. But then again, after the whole contract nonsense with Bradford then in Philadelphia, where he was holding out for a day and a half and he made himself look really bad. I guess we all said, well, that must be why they were willing to part ways with him. But I I would say it's possible the knee has something to do with that. So my question for you, Judd, is when we look at this trade uh, with hindsight, it's a bad trade, the trade for Sam Bradford. There is no question that analyzed, knowing everything we know, it's a bad trade. But would you still say that if you went back to that day where Bridgewater gets hurt and Philadelphia calls you with an offer, would you still take that deal then? All right. I'm going to, I understand perfectly what you're saying in hindsight, Matthew, but I'm going to, I guess, disagree and say the mistake that Rick Spielman and the Vikings made was they did not have a viable backup QB. Teddy got hurt, and your backup QB was 36-year-old at the time, Sean Hill, right, who was a mentor. So you didn't give yourself any chance if something happened to Teddy to replace him. But that being said, keep in mind, you were coming off an 11-5 and season, an NFC North title. You had a defense that you thought was really good, and all of a sudden – you are put into a situation where your quarterback is gone. So, yes, in hindsight, you gave up a four, uh, the 14th overall pick in the first round, and I also believe another selection that I can find here because I just wrote it, a 2018 fourth-round selection for Bradford. So I get what you're saying, but I would make this trade every time with this team or with that team. Now, if that team had been okay, not great, 
I don't trade a first-round pick. But keep in mind, they got off to a 5-0 and start, right? Bradford looked brilliant. It's not Bradford's fault that there was dysfunction and injuries around him. He played in 15 of 16 games, didn't play the first game against the Titans, but played in the 15 games after that. So I actually, to a large degree, will defend Spielman because when your expected starting quarterback's knee blows up on a team that has expectations, you're not going to go to Sean Hill. Uh, and I also think, too, that, that that entire situation taught the Vikings a valuable lesson because I really believe, Matthew, the reason that they went and signed Keenum to a one-year deal was they said we can never do that again, which is have a team with expectations and not have a realistic, viable backup QB. So I see what you're saying, but actually, in many ways, I'll defend that trade and say the Vikings gave themselves, at least going into 2016, hope by making that deal. Here's what you might have missed on a recent episode of the Touch em All podcast. I know that a lot of people, including us, are sitting here kind of chomping at the bit, okay, you, you made that jump to the playoffs, now make the next jump to the World Series. And I think that that should be the goal in 2018. But I don't think you should just blindly sell off all of your future assets in order to get there in 2018. I think there should be a healthy balance of continue to let the young assets bubble, and then if you can pull off a Justin Verlander-like trade, if you can add seasoning while keeping that young core intact, that's how the Astros did it. That's how the Cardinals have done it in years past. Build your core from within, cash in on talented draft picks, and then develop them throughout your system. Look at the Astros. Alex Bregman, number two overall pick, World Series hero to this point. You can find the Touch Em All podcast on 1500ESPN.com's podcast page or on iTunes. I'm with you on that. I mean, the, the only way you can ever look at trades is what was the logic at the time? What did we know at the time? At, at, Correct. The, at the time, you had a healthy left tackle and right tackle, and neither were great, but they were better than T.J. Clemmings and Jeremiah Searles playing out of position slash uh, Jake Long, who had a couple decent games before getting hurt. I mean, but... I mean, so you thought you had two tackles. You thought you had a decent offensive line, or at least okay. You thought you had Adrian Peterson coming off a season in which he led the NFL uh, in rushing. You didn't. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that he was going to go down and be ineffective before that. Um, you didn't know that Mike Zimmer was going to have his eyeball get scratched. It, yes, you didn't know exactly that. Right. You didn't know yep. that Norv Turner was going to resign and have a power struggle with Pat Shermer. You didn't know that Blair Walsh would miss a was it an extra point in Detroit that cost them or a field goal in Detroit that cost them that game and then There's four Ma- extra points before he got cut in November. And, and then Mike Zimmer mismanages the clock in a game where Bradford actually did lead a game-winning drive. I mean, they really should have been in the playoffs last year. Everything that could go wrong went wrong, and I don't know how you can predict that as the general manager of the team at the time before the season. Can you say, you know, I I got this feeling in my toes that uh, Khalil and Smith are going to get hurt. You know, how was he supposed to know that? And Mm -hmm. uh, so I I agree with you 100% that at the time of the deal, you could not play Sean Hill. Anyone who says, and I saw this from a pro football talk guy, Michael David Smith tweeted this out something about Sean Hill or Mark Sanchez or something. You, Sean Hill couldn't make it through one week without ending up on the injury report, by the way. that mm-hmm. he, had to, he was limited in practice because his arm hurt after playing the one game. That guy was not playing 16 games. Mark Sanchez. 
Mark Sanchez Sean, is one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen. That guy gives you no chance to win. You can't do that with a team that had one of the best defenses in the NFL and just punt on your season. Sean Hill was not, and I, I can't say this strongly enough, he was not a viable option. Like, he was not an option. You couldn't go into that locker room, given those circumstances, and be like, okay, guys, we're going to roll with Sean. Sean would have said, what are you talking about? <laughs> right, right. I mean, he, he would have said, I'm a backup. I mean, Sean Hill was on that roster because he was good in the quarterback's room, and he was perceived as, as sort of a teacher to Teddy. That was it. So, so in that sense, for them on the Saturday before the season, before the season started, to come back and say, we've acquired Bradford, to me, was a win. A definite win. And and now, if Bradford had got hurt four or five games in, you'd be like, oh boy, it didn't work out. But, as we talked about, he played in 15 of 16 games, and guess what? He wasn't the problem. I mean, there was, I don't recall games where, where, where we walked away from a game saying, Sam Bradford cost them that game. Circumstances, injuries, Blair Walsh, head coaching, all of those things cost you. But, I mean, do you remember a game in particular? And I'm not saying that, that there weren't times that Bradford didn't check down enough that it drove you crazy. I'm not saying he, he was perfect. But I don't recall too many games where we left the stadium and said, that's on Bradford. I would probably say there were a handful. I mean, uh, he gave them no chance against Indianapolis. We blame the defense entirely, but they scored six points that day. I mean, yeah, you, that, that team was checked out. As, as yeah. bad as Indianapolis was, you still had a chance to get into the playoffs at that point. If you remember, I mean, that's why Adrian Peterson came back that day, and then we kind of put the focus everywhere else. But, you know, Chicago game is on the offensive line. Philadelphia game is on the offensive line slash power struggle. I mean, we're going through last year here. I mean, right. the interceptions at the end of the two games, I would put on him because I don't know who else you put them on. You've got a chance to win. I was not always the highest on Sam Bradford, but I would say that anybody who says, why did you trade for this guy when he only had X quarterback rating or whatever else, X number of wins in his career? If you, you have to go back and look at when he was healthy in Philadelphia and watch some of those games and watch how he played and tell me that that quarterback doesn't give you a chance to win if you have a great team around him. It's just that the great team around him fell apart and then he didn't win but still put up good enough numbers where you almost always make the playoffs with stats like he had in 2016. So I, I would absolutely depend uh, defend making the trade when they made it. The guy finished mm -hmm. the season with a 99.3 quarterback rating. And, I mean, how can you say that that, that wasn't good enough to make the playoffs? Mm -hmm. uh, where I would say that if an objective look at the trade, now that he only played that season, they didn't make the playoffs, is it was a failure because you got it to make the playoffs and win. It's not necessarily the front office's fault that it was a failure when many of us would have made the deal at the time, but it was a failure. You see what I mean? That, that, that's the, the, the two kind of different ways of looking at it. Yeah, ex ex except for, for, for the fact, too, though, that, that when they made that trade and even going into this year, uh, we weren't certain if Teddy would come back, and now he has. And so... I would say I would say instead of failure, I'm actually going to defend the Vikings here. I would say instead of the word failure, I would say circumstances have changed again. Um, and and listen, if given the opportunity to realistically not be in a panic and make this trade, 
there's a very good chance the Vikings would have sat down and said, okay, we need a quarterback possibly if, if Teddy hadn't been here, but Sam's had knee problems before. Our doctors tell us this and that. So, so were, were the circumstances ideal to make the trade? In some ways, they were because you were panicked. If you had had more of an opportunity to think it through and hadn't been panicked, you probably don't make that trade. Uh, but once again, I'll always come back to the fact that the day after that trade was made and Phil and I on the show were going through the list of potentially available quarterbacks and Bradford's name didn't come up, it was basically garbage. It was just garbage. Mm-hmm. It was awful. So, so, But circumstances have changed and Teddy's back now. And, and here's the problem now, Collar. The problem now is this. Okay, the Bridgewater story is fantastic. I mean, I thought... I thought he might be, or I thought he was probably done last year. We've read the story a thousand times about, about there was real concern about amputation possibly, possibly being necessary, and they saved his leg, and now he's back. The only issue I have now is I sense this, Teddy's going to play, and it's going to be just like old times and great. Okay, Teddy's going to play at some point. I firmly believe that, and I think that's a great story, and that's fantastic. But we all need to slow our roll just a little bit, because while I'm very curious to see what he looks like and and if he can return to wh- where he was, I think it could help. We do have to wait for that next step now, mm-hmm. which is who is he now? We don't really know for sure. We think we might know, but it's so funny because we always get we always go up to the cliff and then the sports fans, we dive off the cliff. <laughs> We're like, oh, Teddy's going to be back and it's going to be great. OK, Teddy's going to be back. That's a great story. Now let's see what the next chapter is, which is how does he look? And uh, well, the the problem with that is that it's impossible to say because oh, we, I know we haven't got so we have to wait. Right, we haven't gotten a chance to see him even in practice. If practices were open, I'm not complaining. That's like that all over the league. Uh, but if they were, we would have a much better feel for how this was going to go. I mean, I remember when. Uh, Donovan McNabb had a really severe knee injury. I don't even think it was anything as bad as Teddy Bridgewater. And he had been coming off an incredible season, if I remember right, and then he struggled. And people got very impatient with McNabb. And it took him until the very following year where he started to kick it into gear again and then had kind of a strong finish before uh, Philadelphia moved on from him. But there was that dip because of his knee injury where he wasn't putting a whole lot of power behind the ball and it didn't look like he could move in the pocket and he wasn't confident. There really is no way to know how Teddy Bridgewater is going to react until he's actually out there. I mean, it, it's kind of like uh, people say about when you get in a fight, right? Like, you never know how you're going to react until you actually get in that fight. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, with Bridgewater, you don't know how it's going to look. He can move around and practice all he wants. He could step up and throw. He can move in the in the pocket. I mean, I, I, Mike Zimmer mentioned that they've been having guys run at him or whatever. And like, okay. But he knows... <laughs> He knows they're not going to hit him, though, and that, right. that's a big difference, knowing you're not going to get hit versus knowing that someone could fall on that knee as far as it's had to come to get back under center and then being asked to do it in the midst of a playoff race. And we have talked about this a little bit before. I posted it on our website.com, and the Lions are coming. I mean, they're not a good team. I will stick with this. They could win every no, game the rest I, of the year. I, they're not I'm a good team. They're I'm not a good team. Here. But their schedule is the easiest thing I've ever seen. The Vikings game is the only hard game. They could win all the rest of them. 
And so you're in the midst of a playoff race, and you're going to be asking a guy who's gone through this catastrophic injury to come back and save your bacon. I mean, that seems kind of like a lot of pressure, you know, for Teddy Bridgewater to face under these circumstances. Let's frame it this way, though. See, I don't think he needs to save their bacon. This defense is really good. Now, if it, now if you have guys go down on defense, you're, you're cooked. You're done. But this defense is really good, and if Harrison Smith and Rhodes and Joseph and that core of guys uh, stays on the field, you're in good shape. My point has been I would play Teddy for two reasons. One is one is 2018. I want to see is this guy a guy who I, I want to sign to a contract and declare my quarterback for 2018. But in the short term, more importantly, I guess, I also want to play him because I think when you get to the playoffs, if he indeed is is back to a semblance of where he was, he gives you a better chance than Keenum to win games. And and by that, and I think the Vikings with this defense and, and the current offense, I think they can make the playoffs. I really do. But when you get to the playoffs and you and you start to play good teams, my question, I guess, becomes this. Do I believe in my heart of hearts that Case Keenum can win you playoff games? And my answer is, no, I don't. If Bridgewater is back to a semblance of where he was, I think he's got that potential. But I think if you just say, leave well enough alone and continue to play Case, that is a recipe for a first or second round playoff ouster. Yeah, I guess, you know, to me, I think you're going to need to be good, though. I, I don't think that you can just look at this second half schedule for the Vikings and say, well, you could probably just uh, get by with Keenum. I think you're going to need to be really good to win this division now. And I'm sure the Lions will botch one in Chicago or something like that. But Not Jim Caldwell. Yeah, right. But I mean, they, they could. The Lions could very easily go six and two and end up eleven and five. And the Thanksgiving Day game could turn into the tiebreaker for who wins the division. Now, if both teams end up at 11-5, the Vikings will make the playoffs in a wild card, and maybe it's not that big of a deal. But I look at it as Bridgewater is coming back into a very high-pressure situation, which mm-hmm. I, th- I think isn't exactly ideal. I think if you were going to set this up, you would say, all right, you know, you'd want to either be securely in the playoffs so far ahead you didn't have to worry about it, or you would want to be so far out of it that you could play him for five games and just see what you have. Now you're not just asking him to come back from an injury that many thought you'd never come back from, but to also win. And I, I think that's a tough spot, and I, I do think that that's probably a good reason to give him as much time as possible. And you know maybe that would be the argument against the Thanksgiving Day game, but there are a lot of tough ones coming up. I, I, I think he just needs weeks still of practice, which, by the way, his first practice, he participated fully, according to the injury report. Yes. So he was not limited or anything like that. He was a full participant, which I think is a good sign toward him playing. I just Mm -hmm. I I recognize that it's a very tough situation for him. And I think also the love for Teddy Bridgewater from Minnesotans, it makes it a little harder because there's this push to want to see him back as soon as possible. And if Case Keenum struggles, I mean, for a, a quarter, a half. Even yep. though he's won games where he has struggled for a quarter or a half four, you're going to have a lot of people wanting Bridgewater back. It's almost better that they're on the road the majority of the time. Spielman, Zimmer, and Shermer are going to earn their paychecks because they're going to have to make this as seamless as possible. And it's going to happen. I mean, there is no question in my mind. 
I would I would bet a lot of money right now that Bridgewater is going to play at some point. But you don't want to force him back in. And to your point, I'm with you. You also don't want to wait till week 15. So so you're going to have to make this as seamless as possible. You're going to have to pick the right spot. Um, but I truly believe that if you have aspirations of making the playoffs and advancing, the way you do it is to get Bridgewater back in. Listen, if this was um, 1997 or something, 96, I would probably say just keep playing case. Your defense is lights out. Run the ball. Pound the ball as much as you possibly can. Um, and keep playing case. But when you consider where this league is right now, and when you consider what good quarterback play can do for your team, I think Bridgewater is going to need to play, but where these guys are going to earn their paychecks in the coming months is making the decision when is the right time, uh, because this is a, this is going to be a balancing act, and if you screw it up, you're in trouble. So I've got a fun little game for you. You like fun little games? You know I love I know games. you love fun little games. Uh, you know I love games. On Saturday night, I love playing games. Yeah. What, do, you have a, do you have a favorite card game, favorite board game? No, I actually hate games. I really? I hate – my wife likes games. I hate board games. Man, that's because you're boring. That's why. Oh, oh got him. <laughs> there's nothing more boring than sitting around playing games with, with family. I mean, just start drinking. Wow. Uh, all right, moving on from that. What's the fun little game? Wow. The fun little game is I want you to pick the Vikings for the rest of the year. Okay. And I am going to tell you when Teddy Bridgewater comes back. So I'm going to announce before whichever game on the schedule, Bridgewater is back, now go. And uh, so we'll, we'll do it like that, okay? All right. I'll announce the starting quarterback and then tell you the team, and you could tell me where the Vikings end up this season, okay? At Washington with Case Keenum as the quarterback. Um. So I, I'm supposed to say yes here or what? This is a win or loss. Picking oh, the oh, game. Oh, uh, win, win. win. Uh, I think you can win that game. Win. Uh, all right. Uh, versus the Los Angeles Rams of Los Angeles at home. I think that's a loss, actually. They're going to have some slip-ups here. The Rams, I think, are very good. I'm going to say loss. Thanksgiving Day at Detroit. Case Keenum is still your quarterback at this point. Oh, you can very much. That, first of all, that's the. That's the believe it or not game of the year now. It is, and and you're going to win. And I and I believe, unlike a year ago, you are going to win that game and break your losing streak against the Lions. Okay, so you are two and one in the second half. You are going down to Atlanta with Case Keenum still under center, coming off of a big win in on Thanksgiving. I think you. That's a tough one because. Atlanta's not a slam dunk, but Atlanta's not that good this year. I'm going to go um, win on that one. Okay, 3-1 and one so far yep, in the second half of the season. You're in good shape, yep. Still Case Keenum because he's winning against Carolina. This is at Carolina. Yes, uh, that's a loss. That's at the end of a three-game road trip. I think you lose in either Atlanta or Carolina. I'm going to go you lose to Carolina in Carolina and I think that's going to open up the door for what you're going to say next. Yes, that is correct. So what you have right now is a 9-5 and five record for the Vikings. And against Cincinnati at home, Teddy Bridgewater is back, everyone. He is starting his first game December 17th, 2017. Bridgewater is back against the Bengals. Win or loss, Judd? Uh, hey, Teddy comes back and wins that game against 
a checked out Bengals team, pretty good defense or good defense, but I think the Bengals are slowly but surely, possibly not slowly, losing interest in the season. You win that game in Bridgewater's debut for 2017. You go to Green Bay after a strong performance or good enough by Bridgewater to win. What happens on December 23rd? Let's assume that Aaron Rodgers is not coming back. Yeah, you uh, you win that game. I'm a little bit concerned about Bridgewater's health in that game, considering what Anthony Barr did to uh, Rodgers. But you win that game. And home against Chicago, and Bridgewater has uh, he's come along. You are tuning up for the playoffs at this point, and the Bears once again in, in John Fox's finale as coach of that uh, organization. You win the game. So the way you see it playing out is that the Vikings will end up. 11 and five this year with Bridgewater finishing if Bridgewater uh, waits and finishes the final three games of the year and then is the starting quarterback in the playoffs that's how you see it playing out uh yeah so I preseason predicted them for nine wins I'm now up to 11 uh and I think but but once again just to be clear I think the success as it has been all year long is driven by the fact that your defense is really really good I would uh, like everyone to know that I predicted the Vikings to be 10 and 6 at the beginning of the season. So oh. one of us is very negative and the other one is not. Oh yeah, that's great. Fantastic. <laughs> I just gave you 11 wins, Collar. 11 <laughs> wins, Matthew. Well, you gave them 11 wins. I'm 16 and 0 every year. I yeah, good have point. a great Yeah, you're Sunday not your own. Yeah. Yes, right. you are. Okay, well that's all I've got for you unless you have something else in Judd's notebook or is that uh, just for hockey? That's just hockey. That is hockey, and I am uh, I, I'm preparing as we tape this to watch the Maple Leafs and uh, Sands Austin Matthews. I'm very sad about this play. The Wild. I never like it when good players miss games, which means that I am one of the few people in Minneapolis, St. Paul, who is not happy that Aaron Rodgers is not playing for the Packers. I think it's more fun when good players play at games, Matthew. Okay, well, uh, save your hockey takes for Matt and Judd's hockey adventure. That uh, we'll, we'll stick it to that. All right, sir. Thank okay. you. And Teddy Bridgewater is going to talk tomorrow uh, as we're uh, – it'll be Thursday as we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, Courtney Crone and I will be back to break that down. So thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast.